So what quote have I been opening the last three sermons with? Who's going to tell me? What is the quote? You know, you always wonder about your communication skills as a pastor when people don't remember what you said last week. Um, I get it. You know, I'm in my mid-60s. Uh, I forget a lot of things these days. Elaney, well done. It was, it was a John Piper quote. Of course, you wouldn't, you know, that's not going out on too much of a limb with me. It was a John Piper quote. Um, God made the world for God. Did you hear it in the text? The text I read? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Romans 11.36, I think I want it on my tombstone. Um, if my wife doesn't cremate me, I'm not sure what we're going to do there. She's, uh, she's big on that, but... Um, God made the world for God. Now, if you understand that, if you, if you take that on board, if you believe that, it will change everything in your life. If you really believe, Romans eleven thirty six. For from Him, now obviously this includes you, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things to Him be the glory forever. Amen. It's the Bible in one verse. And in all honesty, it's your life in one verse. Now, you say, well, I'm not really a Christian. I haven't decided yet. I, I'm not in relationship with Christ. I don't really love Him and I don't, I don't pretend to obey Him. It doesn't matter. You're still in that verse. For all things are from Him. You are from Him. You are moving through to Him, right? Either uh, to be reconciled to Him or to be judged by Him. We're all in this verse. God created the world for God. And why is that good news? We've been talking about this. Why is that good news for the redeemed, for the believer? Why is that good news? If everything is about God, that's good news because God is our joy. Which means everything is about my joy. Even the heartaches, even, even the, uh, you know, the tragedies, even the calamities that I go through, I have God with me in them. Ultimately, as Paul says, I can be sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Why can we always rejoice even if we're sorrowful? Because God created the world for God, and I'm caught up in that, particularly as one of his own. Beloved, this is kind of life-changing theology. I was listening to John Piper this week, and he was talking about having discouragement in his life and being depressed. And he said, you know, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to, to, to how I feel and I don't feel the way I wish I felt and, and I know I should be, you know, full of joy and be captivated and stunned by who God is, he says, I have to just do theology. He says, what I do is I do theology. And I'm just going to ask you before we begin. Is that, how you, is that how you work through the hard things? Are you doing theology? Are you looking at God? Are you talking to God? Are you listening to God? Are you in His Word? Crying out to, to the Lord that He would speak to you off the page? That He would give you what you need? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Amen.
It should be your life. It should be your life. I want to start this way tonight. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with greeting cards. Some of you may have heard me tell this story before. Um, I like to give Karen cards, but you can never find a decent one. I can't believe people get paid to write this stuff. They're terrible. I mean, your average greeting card is terrible. It, 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 it's just awful. So normally what I do is I get one that's blank on the inside and, and I, write, I write something to her. We were in the middle of a long distance romance. <clears throat> I was in seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, and she was in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. What was the mileage on that? I didn't think I'd ever forget. 423 miles I was away from her. And it was hard. Um, it was very difficult. Um, being separated from her. And I, got, I went home every opportunity that I could. Nobody understood why I quit my job and went to seminary. I mean, almost even the believers around me, they would say affirming things, but you know, you would hear them whispering over about 15 feet away. It's like, what's Jim doing? I had so many people say, Jim, you know, this is probably not wise. My, my, my dad even told me this. this, this is probably not wise. You know, you're entering your highest earning years. Just wait a little while. Nobody got it. Now, Karen and I were just dating at that time. And it's like, nobody got that she let me go. You know, she wasn't one of those women that said, you, you, you got to put a ring on it before you go. She, did, she wasn't like that. She said, you should go. That's what God's called you to do. You should go. So nobody got what I was doing. They didn't get what she was doing. And I wanted to send her a greeting card and tell her I understood that what we were doing was weird, and, and I'll never forget the exhilaration of finding the perfect card. Chris, have you ever found the perfect card? No. Okay. It can happen. <laughs> it's almost impossible, but it can happen. I'm, I'm in the Hallmark shop, and I, there's this card, and it's, it has two figures on the front, and they're abstract figures, and they're dancing. You can tell that they're dancing. And you open the card, and it says, those who hear not the music think the dancer's mad. Now, this is a great card. This is a great, those who hear not the music. Now, this is the way it ought to be for you in your Christianity. Those around you who are not hearing the music should think you're a little bit odd, Right? Those who hear not the music think the dancer's mad. Now, and I wanted to say to Karen, yeah, we, everybody is, you know, they don't get it, but we get it because we're hearing it. We're hearing it. That's what, that's what we talked about last week with Moses. Moses. Moses was hearing it. He was hearing the music. And this is why he cried out to, to the Lord in prayer. Oh, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. He was hearing it. Um, yeah, I'll never forget the thrill of finding that card. You know, I hear this as a pastor. I've heard it many times. A new Christian will say to me, Jim, my family, they, they don't understand. They think I'm weird. My, my, my colleagues, they don't get it. My friends, I'm losing some friends over this. They think I'm odd. And you know what I love to say to them, right? Yay. You're supposed to be odd. If you belong to Christ, you're supposed to be odd. You should be odd. You are 
How does the writer of Hebrews say? You are an alien and an exile. You don't belong here anymore. You're on your way to heaven, right? You're just passing through. So how many, if you have an old King James version, um, eight times in the old King James version, God describes his people as, can anyone guess? Peculiar. You know what he really, you know what, the, you know what's being said there? You, you know why you're peculiar? Well, there could be a lot of reasons. Some of you are more peculiar than others, but because you're his. You're his. You hear the music. You're hearing it. You're living it. You're walking it. You're talking it. And as the Apostle Paul says, you know, to live as Christ, to die as gain, you're looking forward to the moment when you will be home with the Lord. C.S. Lewis says, We're no longer enamored with the world. We've put down our mud pies and we're pursuing infinite joy. John Piper says, We're no longer deluded. We're no longer chasing those temporal bubbles that burst. Brent Curtis says, We simply can't settle anymore. We're in on the sacred romance. We hear the music. And we can't conform anymore. We can't live like the world anymore. It's simply too small. So when we meet Jesus Christ, he introduces us. And I love this thought. <laughs> Has this happened to you? He introduces you to your born again self. Has this ever happened in your life? Has Jesus Christ ever introduced you to your born again self? The new Jim Albright, right? That's a big day. That's a big day when that happens. So again, with born-again eyes, we, we see what, true, what is truly valuable as opposed to what the world keeps telling us is truly valuable. We no longer mindlessly follow the herd. We're not just another lemming in the crowd. We're not just churchgoers. We have fallen in love with Christ, and everything has changed and we love it. We love it that God made the world for God. We love it. We love that all things are from Him, through Him, and to Him. It doesn't, it doesn't make us draw back or be afraid. We love that. We love He's like that. We love that He's a God like that. And I love His glory. And beloved, I pray that I pray that you, you do as well, that you love the glory of God. I want to say it again. If everything is about God, then everything is about your joy if you belong to Christ tonight. Everything is about your joy. The flat tire. Process this. The flat tire is about your joy. I've never liked a flat tire. I hate a flat tire. <laughs> but there's something for me. There's something... I, I need to process this flat tire in my life in such a way that I can rejoice in the goodness of God. We talked about it last week. What did Moses learn? And I, I exhorted you to learn this lesson and never forget this lesson. Moses learned that God created Moses to fill Moses up with what? God. It's why you're on the planet. Moses had learned this. And so naturally, in his prayer time, 
He says, I want more of you. Moses, who had seen more of God than any man who ever lived, I know I haven't seen anything yet. I want more of you. This was his prayer. I want more of you. And I encourage you that this would be your prayer, in your prayer time. Lord, show me your glory in my marriage, with my kids, in my job, at the university. Show me your glory. You know, we got what? I don't know, 15 people? Show me your glory in 15 people, Lord. I mean, this is what I have to pray right now, right? The church has never been in a season like this before. And if I look at the church, I'm going to be discouraged. But God has encouraged me what? Don't look at the church. Look at me. Look at me. So, beloved, I'm just trying to hand this off to you, right? God made the world for God, and this is awesome news for us. Because it matters in how I look at the church right now. It, yeah, it can be discouraging, right? <laughs> but not when my God reigns. Not when the, the psalmist says that God will work all of his good pleasure in heaven and earth. So, we've been talking about this, being earnest seekers of God, right? Desiring God, pursuing God. We, we, we talked about it last week and how the psalmist talked about this. They use every word but lust. They use all the synonyms for lust. They never said lust, but this is what they're doing. They're lusting for God. The words were, they're panting, they're thirsting, they're yearning, they're longing, they're earnestly seeking. I remember preaching this. The last time I preached this sermon was uh, 2015, and we had a really good group of guys and gals then, and and a, a lot of young folks, and it was, a, it was a good time. And I do remember there was a lot of conviction as I preached through the Exodus text, and I'm now preaching through the Romans text. There was a lot of conviction. I got a lot of feedback from people, right? I don't think I desire God like that. I don't think I want God like that. I don't see evidence of the fact in my own life that, that, that I'm panting for God. Well, as I said to you last week, the fact that you're here, it's not an accident. God means for you to wake up. Right? Wake up. Be who you're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. Pursue the Lord. Seek the Lord. And what does he say? I will be found by you. So are you desiring something more and seeking something more than God? Then you must repent, beloved. You must repent. That is the epitome of sin. I'm loving and seeking something more than my creator. It's the essence of evil. It's the foundation. It's the Genesis foundation and essence of evil. I want something more than God. We talked about it last week, right? God says, and I think it's in Isaiah 65, he says, he says, I'm here. Here I am. Oh, you don't want me. Oh, you don't want me. God's made it possible for us to be reconciled to him at great cost. And it's like, I'm too busy. I'd rather do social media. Beloved, this, this really, really matters. It really matters for us. So last week, Moses, who had seen 
more of God than any man had ever seen. Knew he had not seen anything yet. And I'm going to encourage you again, if that's not how it is with you and God, then I encourage you to go home and do some serious spiritual work. You have to know you haven't seen anything yet. You have to know you've been created by God and for God. Everything else is after that. Now, if you can get that right, you know, everything else is after that. You say, no, Jim, my family's first. No, your family's never first. Jesus said it. Your family is not first. If you get God first, then you know how to love your family, right? Your job is not first. Your career is not first. God is first and he demands to be first in your life. And listen, if you don't like it, go do something else. But don't pretend to be a Christian. Okay? If you don't like that God made the world for God, and that means you're caught up in, in, in uh, what that means, right? <laughs> God made the world for God, and that means I was made for God. And how am I, how am I prioritizing God in my life? Beloved, you know, you know this, right? You're going you're gonna to all be dead soon. Me sooner than you, most, most likely, but... We're all going to be dead soon. We're all going to be standing in front of God soon. What is our report going to be? Man, I was on YouTube a lot. Nothing inherently wrong with YouTube. But are you pursuing God? Listen, I shared this verse with you last week. I'm going to share it again. The Apostle Paul, you know how he was. You know, Paul... Paul was like Moses in that Paul had greater direct revelation post-crucifixion than any man. Uh, he had a direct encounter with the Lord Jesus, Acts 9, Galatians 1, and he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words that men are not permitted to speak, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And in spite of this direct revelation, this is what Paul writes. Philippians 3, I read it to you last week, I'm going to read it to you again. Listen to him. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, that I may know him. How much time are you giving each week knowing him? Say, Jim, I'm busy, man. I know you're busy. We're all busy. Where does he rank? Where does he rank? On your, on your weekly schedule, where does God rank? If God made the world for God, where do you think he should rank? Where do you think God should rank? So we, Paul writes, as I said, Paul writes 11 chapters of the most beautiful, stunning theology in all the Bible. Romans is, is, is like a Mount Everest in the text, in the scriptures. And then he breaks out into doxology as he closes the 11th chapter. Verse 33 again. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Paul knows he was he was a religious prig. 
He persecuted. He persecuted the body of Christ. He knows who he was. He knows he was a sinner. He's been saved. Oh, the depths of the riches. How does it go? Of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways that he could love me, that he would save me. Now, some of you don't understand the O. You've got to understand the O. What is the O? It's almost like, it's almost like the uh, 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 alliteration of, of a gasp. He goes, I can't believe this God has loved me like this. I can't believe he saved me like he saved me. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unfathomable are his ways. Man, you know, you should, listen, if you wake up depressed tomorrow, go, go here. Go, go here and remember what your salvation costs. And don't take it for granted anymore. Don't take anything in your Christian faith for granted anymore. Stop it. Don't do it anymore. If you're a Christian, it's the most important thing that has ever happened to you. Don't let it be small in your life. We're going to come back and visit verse 33 a little bit more in just a minute. But let me read the, the rest of the text. You guys, you guys heard it read. Verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. Do you hear the awe? Listen, is there awe and wonder in your life? When you, when you contemplate your God and your Redeemer, your Creator, your Redeemer, is there awe? Is there wonder? Is there reverence? Is there fear? Is there trembling? I think it was in the song, Elaine, you'll have to help me here. But wasn't there a line, remember who you're talking to? Remember who you're talking to? The God who speaks trillions of galaxies into existence? And you don't have time? Really? Hey. I hope you get convicted tonight because I got convicted this week. <laughs> okay, so I'm preaching to myself. I want more for myself and my walk with God. And I obviously want that for you as well. Paul is worshiping here. He's caught a glimpse of Jesus. He's hearing the music. He's hearing it. You can it just it's coming out of his pen. It's flowing out of his pen, right? And one thing I want you to notice, you guys are pretty astute. You probably have noticed this. What happens in chapter 12, verse 1? Someone tell me, what happens? Now, Paul worships. He, he gives us the, the, the verse of the Bible that encompasses all of the Bible. And what is the next thing Paul says? Romans 12, verse 1. What is the thing he says? There, well, what, what is, I gave it away. Therefore, what? It's always therefore. You've been saved in an awesome way. Therefore, what? Go live it out. That's what he says. Uh, I wanted to share Eugene Peterson's uh, paraphrase with you. 
12, 1, uh, the NAS says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Why is that your spiritual service of worship? Why is that the acceptable and, and living sacrifice? Why this? Because God made the world for God, which means he made you for God. And it's your call. You want to be reconciled to your creator or do you want to rebel and spurn him? It's up to you, man. You get to make the call, right? It's up to you. You'll meet him as savior or you'll meet him as judge. It's the ball's in your court. The ball's in your court. Nobody gets to stand before God on the last day and say, I didn't know, I didn't understand. You do know and you do understand. God made the world for God, which means God made you for God. And beloved, he can't be second. God can't be second in your life. He can't. It's blasphemy. It's an insult to God and it is blasphemy. Let me read Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Romans 12.1. You're going to love this. I love this. You know, the Message Bible, I'm not so sure about it, but, but he does say some things. It's not really the Bible, it's a paraphrase, but he does say some things in pointed ways sometimes. Listen to what he says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I love that. Take your walking around life and give it to God. That's what Paul's saying. If you believe God created the world for God, if you believe that from him, through him, and to him are all things, it's your obligation as a creature. Hey, even if you don't love him, you say, Jim, I don't love Christ. Okay, you don't love him. It's still an obligation. It's still your obligation. It's still what a creature should do before his creator. I love the O. Man, you got to love the O, right? Paul says, O the depth. He, it's, it's, I was listening to Piper preach on this. You can't see down there. You can't see how deep God is down there. This is so deep. You can't see down there. You can't go down there. Only God can go down there. If you get to the bottom of everything, there's God. If you get to the top of everything, there's God. God is everywhere, right? <laughs> you, still think the, you still think your life's about you? You still think the universe re, re, revolves around you? No, beloved, no. That is not only blasphemous, but, but hear what I'm saying. You could probably guess it's loss. If you live in such a way that, say, a third-party observer would say, well, they, they're just living for themselves. It's not only blasphemous, it's loss. It's loss. It is Loss. Paul says, oh, the depths of the riches. How rich is God? Okay, it's incalculable. And I, again, I, I got to share this with you. I, I was listening to Piper on this, and Piper says, God owns everything, obviously. But not only does he own everything, he can create everything again from nothing. Now, how rich is that? I mean, that's rich. Because he creates from nothing. He doesn't need anything to create. He just creates from nothing. That's very rich. 
And then he goes on to say, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Now, there's some differences here, right? Between knowledge, knowledge is basically defined as facts. Wisdom is employing those facts. So God, his wisdom and his knowledge is infinite, both in a macro sense and a micro sense. So I looked it up. The biggest thing I can think as far, as far as macro, again, is the cosmos. The smallest thing, what is the smallest, okay. What is the smallest particle in the known universe? Who knows? Nobody knows? I love it when that happens. Nobody knows. Atom. Pardon me? Atom. An atom. That's very good, but you're wrong. Quark. What? A quark. A quark is actually inside the, okay, don't, don't. If I get this wrong, don't, don't mention it, okay? But a quark, I was reading it. Okay, there's new, neutrons and protons inside the atom. A quark sits inside the neutron and or the proton. God understands it all. God sees it all. God is conscious of it all. The, the orbit of... Is it the neutron or the proton that's going around the nucleus? He knows that orbit. He knows the orbit of, of the galaxies on the far side of the cosmos. Paul says God and his ways are too deep. They are beyond fallen, finite temporal understanding. His thoughts are inaccessible. They're beyond human expression. He is incomprehensible. In God there is unsearchable and unreachable hiddenness and inexhaustibility. Paul says God is at the bottom of all things and there is no explanation beneath God. Listen to how the Bible speaks about this in a couple of different places. Job 5, God does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. Uh, Psalm 92, 5, how great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. Job 11 Verse 7 through 9, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are as high as the heavens, which can, what can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and border, probably, and broader than the sea. I love Psalm 139.6. David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain unto it. This is what Paul is saying. Paul spent 11 chapters talking about salvation, God saving a people for himself, how God does it, right? And he can't help but worship. He loves it. And he loves the mystery of it. Do you? You know, I meet a lot of Christians. They don't like the mystery, man. That don't, hey, if you can't explain that down to my satisfaction, down to my finite brain, fallen brain, temporal brain, carnal brain, you know, if you can't explain that mystery or that tension, then, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't go with the Bible. I meet folks like that. The Greek word translated unsearchable, it means inscrutable, untraceable, untrackable. Obviously, I'm back up in 33, verse 33. The Greek word translated unfathomable means undetectable. You can't really fully follow God down that path with a finite mind. Don't you love the mystery of God? Shame on you if you don't love the mystery of God. You, 
You're not supposed to be able to fully figure God out. Who would worship a God you could figure out? I wouldn't. If you could figure out God, I would not worship that God. The Bible is full of texts that talk about his, Him being inscrutable and unfathomable. Real Christians get this. <laughs> Real Christians get this, and they love this. They get it, and they love it. So I want to encourage you, don't let mystery be a frustrating thing. Let it be a worship-provoking thing. Let it be a worship-provoking thing. So, verse 34. Now, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who counsels God? Who counsels God? What is the obvious answer? Nobody counsels Yahweh. Nobody counsels God. Now, we know there are a lot of God advisors out there in the world, right? We, you probably meet them every day. Well, why doesn't God do this? Why hasn't God addressed that? What's going on over there? Why doesn't God get into that? You know, the God advisors. This is blasphemous again, blood. We're talking about blasphemy. Paul says, no man has known the mind of God. And after a billion eternities, we still won't know very much about the mind of God. He's, he's infinite and we're finite. God advisors. It's a bad habit to get into. And what I found, you know, those who, are, those who like to advise God, you know what I've discovered about many of them? Is really what they really what they want to do is indict God. It's it's not so much I, I think I could help God out here. It's that I'm indicting God because He's not lived up to my standards. God's not lived up to my standards. Again, beloved, we are such an arrogant and blasphemous race. God does not need to live up to your standards. That's not why he created you. That he might meet your expectations. God made the world for God, not for you, not for me. My seminary professor used to say this, and I always loved it. He used to say, if you knew what God knew, you wouldn't change a thing. Now, do you love this? Do you love a statement like that? Or do you kind of shrink back from a statement like that? Well, what about this, Jim? What about that? I think my seminary professor's onto something. If you knew what God knew, you would not change a thing. Look at verse 35. Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? The obvious answer is no one. No one was before God. No one can give to God what has not first been received from God. To whom is God a debtor? To no man, beloved. To no man. I know that most of mankind believes that God owes them something. I hear it a lot. Um... But you've heard me say it a hundred times or more from this pulpit. God doesn't owe us anything except immediate justice, and none of us want that. We need grace and mercy. 
love what Piper says about this. You're a squatter in the cosmos. You're just a squatter. It's all his. Everything you have is his. Everything you think you give to God was his. We don't give God anything ultimately. We're just squatters. In a king's kingdom. I always love that. We have nothing to offer to God that is not already His. Listen to Acts 17, 25. God is not served by human hands as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives to all life and breath and all things. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? Friends, we need to do what God designed us to do. Do you know what God designed Adam and Eve to do originally? You know, you know what the, the original design is? To simply receive and rejoice. Are you receiving? And are you rejoicing? This is what a regenerate man or woman should do. This is what it looks like to love, to love our Creator, to love our Redeemer. We receive gladly because we can't give Him anything. Right? We really can't give Him anything. So we receive gladly and we rejoice in the receiving. And for a billion eternities, we will rejoice in the receiving. We can never give Him anything. We never augment His glory. He just is God and He is glorious. We don't augment that one bit. You're supposed to receive and rejoice. I just have to say it. You know, Karen had cancer back, back in 08 and 09. And my spiritual mentor said something like, don't waste the cancer. Now, human beings don't talk like this. Your, your normal human being does not talk like this. Don't waste the cancer. What is he saying? Meet God there. Receive and rejoice. As a Christian, of course, if I receive healing, I rejoice. If I go on to be with God, it's gain. This is how, this is how we think. This is how our mind works. Men can but receive. That's Paul's point here. All right thinking men, all we can really do is thankfully receive. That's all we can do. Don't ever think you're giving anything to God. You say, well, Jim, I, I'm, I'm giving my offering. I'm giving my tithe. Well, okay, that's good. We're commanded to, to worship Him like this, but we're not really giving Him anything. We're just honoring Him. We're just worshiping Him, right? Let's not fall into the trap of thinking we're giving God anything. God made man to thankfully receive from His benevolent hand. He is a giver. Luke 12, 32, your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Let's, get, let's finish up here, verse 36. What do you see in verse 36? I see eternity past, I see creation, I see providence, I see human history, I see an eternity future. God made the world for God. God made you for Himself.
Colossians 1, 16 to 17. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I mean, Colossians 1, 16 and 17, there it is again. God made the world for God. So why anything, why everything? For the glory of God. Why is that good news? Because if everything is about God, everything is about our joy. You got to love it, man. I know I've already said his name a couple times, but Piper, what do you do when you're discouraged? I do theology. It's better than any drug you'll ever take. Do some, the do some biblical theology. Look at God in the Bible. Hear His promises. And receive and rejoice. So let me just ask this and we're done. Do you love the thought that you exist exclusively for God's glory? Do you love that thought? Maybe some of you haven't really accepted that thought. But let's say you accept it theoretically, academically. Do you love it? I mean, this is the, this is the test. Do you love it? Or is this dogma? Do you love it that you exist for the glory of God? Period. Yeah, there's some other things we're doing. There's some peripheral stuff we have to take care of. Yeah, we get that. They're not completely unimportant. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying by comparison. By comparison. Do you love it that you are for the glory of God? Do you love it? I think that's an important question. Are you glad everything's about God? Or do you wish it was a little bit about you? This is a telling thing, beloved. This is a real telling thing. Are you glad that it's about God? Are you really glad? Can you rejoice that it's about God? Do you know Him and love Him like that? <laughs> do you love the glory of God above everything else? We've, we've, we've seen it in Moses' life. And tonight, we've seen it in the life of Paul. God means for you to love it, beloved. God means for you to love it. And Paul's doxology here. This is the fuel for... I'll, I'll say it this way. I'll just take it on board. This is my fuel right here. This is my fuel. That's what keeps me going all the time, right? My God is like this. And I get what Paul's saying. I get the O. I get the O. And if you, if you walked in here and you don't get the O, then I, I just lovingly encourage you to go home and work on getting the O. You have to understand about the O. You have to get the O. Oh, the depths of the riches, of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable. Are your judgments, how unfathomable are your ways? Man, you've got to get the O. 
If you don't have the O down, you need to do some work because God means for you to live, to live the O. I'm going to go back again, what Moses learned about God. That God made Moses to fill Moses up with God. God made Jim to fill Jim up with God. God made Elaney to fill Elaney up with God. God made Shabomi to fill Shabomi up with God. Do you love it? And is, is that the premier and foremost pursuit of your life? It's one of the things, at least for me, it's coming off the page. So I'll finish. We see all this worship. We see how awesome God is. Yes, He's breathtakingly wonderful. Yes, God made the world for God. For from Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. We get it. Therefore, chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read it from, uh, I'm going read to it, read it in P Peterson's paraphrase. Therefore, you, when you leave, you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. This is what Christians do. And so if you came in here lukewarm, then I pray you'll go home and rectify that. Remedy that. If you came in here lukewarm... The most important thing you can do when you leave is to remedy that problem. Because, beloved, let me just say this. It's an insult to God. Doesn't mean we don't struggle. Doesn't mean we don't have times of discouragement and depression and hard things. Doesn't mean any of that. But I mean, what it means is we got to be like John Piper here. we got to be doing theology. You know, when life hits us hard, you got to do theology. God doesn't mean for you to, to surf the, the, the waves alone. He means for you to do theology. That's why I built this whole series around God created the world for God. It's just simple theology. But it changes everything in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the text. Lord, I, I, I may be wrong, but probably some of us in here need to repent. And today is a great time to do that. I will never let Jesus Christ be peripheral to me in my life ever again. He will not be peripheral. I believe, we all believe that God made the world for God. It's simple theology. The implication is breathtaking. Lord, if we need to repent, I pray you lead us down that path of repentance. I mean, this... this, this Right now, today, tonight, lives may change. 
as we have the simple understanding of Romans 11.36. For from you and through you and to you are all things. Help us understand, Father. Help us to understand and draw out the implications for our own lives. We love you and we praise you in the matchless name of the crucified, risen, reigning, returning God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and I'll close with a benediction.